Welcome to The Hockey Show with Pat Boyle and Barstool Chief. Brought to you by the Chicago Wolves. On Chicago's home for sports, ESPN Chicago. Listen now in HD on our app and on ESPN 1000. Ready for the power play? You're listening to The Hockey Show on ESPN Chicago. With the one and only Barstool Chief, I am Pat Boyle, and we are still stunned. We did it. Ecstatic. <laughs> I was very happy for you and, and all the, the long, hard hours you put in on Tankathon. I was getting cramps in my fingers from doing that Tankathon. Um, and, just and willed it into existence. It just is incredible. Hawks win the NHL lottery for the... Uh, First time since 2007, they'll have the that one worked out. first overall pick. <laughs> that, that worked out just fine, and uh, they will indeed select Connor Bedard in Nashville on June 28th. Let's just start with the, the this initial reaction. You were at uh, Barstool River North with some, some Hawks fans. Some Hawks fans, our, our friend, mutual friend Scott Darling, um, and I went in with... Very low expectations. If you look at the chart, you do the math, you know there's like a 78% chance of picking somewhere between uh, third and fifth. And so I had just, I had written it off. It's like, you know what? They didn't tank hard enough. They're not going to get it. I'm not going to disappoint myself with something that would be statistically almost impossible. So it was, you know, kind of went in nothing to lose in a way. But at the same time, everything to lose. Because if you don't get this type of player... Your rebuild has a ceiling. Now the ceiling, there is no ceiling. You can go, you can win a Stanley Cup with a guy like Connor Bedard because you need those true superstars, and that's what he is. And and I would say that you know people are like, oh, how good is he? He's probably the uh, top three of my life in terms of prospects between uh, uh, McDavid, Crosby, and and Bedard. And to be able to get your hands on a guy like that, seventeen years old, so he's still only seventeen years old. It changes everything. It absolutely does, and I'm with you. I, I went into, we did a uh, post-lottery show at 7.30 on NBC Sports Chicago Plus because the White Sox game was on the main channel, and we had a show set up to discuss if they got the third, fourth, mm-hmm. or fifth pick because in all likelihood, like you said, 78% yep. chance, what have you. Well, obviously, all hell broke loose at 7.20 or whatever it was, when uh, Bill Daly, you know, announces the the way it, it went mm-hmm. down that the Hawks had the first overall pick, but as you're watching from your vantage point, the uh, the lottery as it was being checked off eleven through four, yep, it was all chalk. Yeah, you and, love and, that. and you were like, and you're sitting there going, "All right, nobody, nobody has shot up." Mm-hmm. And nobody, obviously, would be able to drop yep. if, if everything is going to chalk. Then when you get to the Sharks at four, you're like, all right, top three. Yep. Now, we do have the Kevin Weeks slip up, and I'll get into that in, in just a second. Which I missed in real time. 
Yeah, because you were at a bar, right? Too much commotion going on at the bar. Scott caught it, and I thought he was messing with me. Yeah. I'm like, this is not the time to joke around. Yeah. Yeah. And it it blew up on social media, too. So everybody caught it and kind of had the commercial break to kind of digest, digest, expose it, so to speak. Well, when you look at it at that point, I was trying to think, like, is that valid? Am I really, Mm. do I believe what I hear? And if you look at the lottery odds, they only had a 7.8% chance at that third pick. So, in essence, they had a much better chance for the first or the yeah. second pick once you knew they were top three. Well, and especially once all the other teams and all their numbers, that gets folded in, right? right. So, all the other teams that are four through whatever have been eliminated. So, now you're in this in this mode where it's like, all right, you have a very good chance, which I didn't know until you told me that just now, that the odds kind of flip once uh, everything goes chalk all the way up to three. And all I said I wanted was in the top two. I wasn't going to be greedy. Like Fantilli's going to be a fantastic player. I would not shed one tear if they got uh, if they got two instead of one. But getting one, the thing about getting one to me is that we get to have fun right away. And I don't know if Fantilli will be in the NHL or not. I know next year. I know Bedard will be there. I know it's going to be worth it to go to the United Center. I know it's going to be worth it to tune in, stay up till you know midnight for a game in Seattle because you might see Connor Bedard do something that nobody else on the planet can do. He's that special, and it just feels great to want to go and care about the Blackhawks. And there is something that you know when this team was good, the whole city buys in. Yes. And it felt like that again last night where where everybody, you know, I was in the bar, but social media, everybody's buzzing. You know, and the I, non-hockey fans were into it last night because I'm surrounded. Just like I know you are. Bar season tickets. Yeah. Bar, Big Cat bought season tickets like on the spot. Section 122, we'll see everybody there. So it reminded me of the D. Rose night when yeah. Steve Shanwall, mm-hmm. uh, who, when I think they pronounced him Stan Shanwall yeah. uh, that night. Well, they, didn't they have like a 1.2% chance or 1. something? 1.7 yeah. or 8. Yeah. And uh, he's like, tickets, yeah. Uh, yeah, ticket uh, representatives are standing by, and he gave the number. And on our post game, I'm just like, what, we should know what the number is. You're right. And within 90 minutes, it was $2.5 million, uh, As we tape this podcast on Tuesday afternoon, late afternoon, it's over $5 million, five and a half, something like that, so in sales. For winning the lottery... For the Blackhawks, it's actually winning the lottery. It is winning the lottery. <laughs> it's like a cash and everything else. So. I, and here's the thing. If they get the third pick, they, they get a little traffic yesterday, but I don't no, know nowhere if, near. I don't know if they do. No, yeah. Because whoever you're taking third, you that's know. that's where the dra- draft starts, right? Yes. That's where the Mitchkoff debate begins. Yep. Will Smith, all those kind of guys. Carlson. Carlson. But na- any one of those names isn't coming over f- for one, two, Mitchkov, maybe three, maybe never. So I don't think it's getting the buzz. Even if you get Fantilli, I don't think that there's going to be this buzz. It was Bedard or bust in terms of like the immediate reaction ticket sales thing. And he has performed like I feel like we've been hearing about Bedard since similar since thing with, 14, similar right? with Crosby. And the only place that I feel like the majority of sports fans in America see a guy like that because no one's watching junior hockey is in the world juniors and he lit up the world juniors and broke all those records and was going viral with these insane highlights like i posted the one where he uh won the game against slovakia in overtime and it was just like who is this guy right and i think it caught everybody's like imagination so you you remember the highlights you see the name you know he's a phenom and when your team gets him it's like you're right back into 2010 again and that's that's how like the energy around the team felt 
last night when that pick was announced. And still today, like you said, $5 million. So in ticket sales, in Less than 24 hours. That is absolutely incredible. Hey, I want to put a bow quickly, and we'll get, we'll get a lot of Bedard talk in here on the Kevin Weeks slip-up mm-hmm. uh, before the commercial break. So they announce at 4 that the Sharks have the fourth selection. Bill Daly, deputy commissioner, does that. And the way, because you were at the bar, the way it had been going is Weeks had a a little one-liner after each pick. Mm-hmm. This is the you know sixth time the Sharks will pick in the top ten since 2010. Okay, whatever. Yeah, you know? yeah. And there was one little nugget. So they announced the Sharks, and then he says, uh, "This is the first time somebody has fallen." Oh, and so that really means it's line. one or two. Yeah. It's between the Hawks or Ducks for the number one pick overall. We'll be right back. So. Was this like a almost like a Ron Burgundy moment? Like he like he read the teleprompter, just made a mistake. So that's what I tried to investigate today. Okay. So through some of my contacts in Canada at TSN, I I first of all asked, you know, what'd you think of the whole situation? Um, there was a debate between the NHL and ESPN of who would host the show. Okay, okay, the NHL, and again, they're they're doing this for. Their partners in Canada. Weeksy was on in yep. Canada doing this, and he was obviously yeah. on ESPN doing yeah. it. It's a simulcast it, yep. situation. So it's agreed upon by both parties. The NHL and TSN wanted a host doing this. ESPN wanted Kevin Weeks. So ESPN won out, mm-hmm. and Kevin Weeks, who's an analyst, yep. and a great analyst at that, Definitely. and a ton of contacts, Been breaks, around forever. Been yeah. around forever. Great energy. Great for the sport. Great on TV. Fantastic. Yeah. He's electric. Very stylish man, too. Yes. Dresses great. Yes. Yeah. Um, but he, he had a moment, mm-hmm. and it felt like he was reading off prompter much of the night and maybe kept reading past where the commercial break started. Uh, another contact I have in Canada uh, said he heard that it was just an ad lib on the Columbus stuff done by Weeks. So maybe he knew that this uh, was on the horizon and just yeah. kind of it just was. And that's kind of when you got a player playing out of position, yep. right? An analyst who's used to being teed up, yeah, and has to just talk about Bedard or. Talk about Fantilli or what the needs are of the Oilers or whatever the case may be. They're ready for that. When they've got to adjust to teleprompter and this and that, it's a different skill set. It's a different muscle. It's kind of like you and me when we do the radio. I don't know how to get us in and out of breaks. I'm not aware of the clock. I will talk forever. And you're like, hey, we got to stop. We got to go to commercial. So I would not be able to do that. If I was in Kevin Weeks' shoes, I would have messed it up because I'm not used to that. So, So that's kind of some of the details behind that. I'll get into the conspiracy theory thoughts Mm -hmm. a little bit later on. Let's get to the man of the hour who is going to turn 18 in July. What type of player are they getting in Connor Bedard? Five foot ten, Mm -hmm. almost 185 pounds, has excelled at every level, playing with, you know, he's he's a man amongst boys. But he's a boy amongst men and has made them look silly. Yeah, and, and I, I reblogged uh, your clip from Kane when Kane interviewed him and talked about the biosteel thing and the things that he does. Who did he look off? Uh, McDavid? McDavid on a two-on-one. And if, when you watch, and, and, and Arm, Army talked about this too, Arm, Arm Dog, Colby Armstrong, 
the way that he moves, he's so good laterally, so good on his edges, and he just creates space. And Army was saying, like, everything that he does, and Bedard was explaining this to him, is like, every little movement I have is just setting up the defenseman. And that one against Slovakia, you could see it where he just, like, he has a little shoulder move. He opens up one of his legs so it makes it look like he's going somewhere else. Then he cuts back the other way. So he's always creating space for himself, and all he needs is six inches. Because he has that little toe drag, whippy release that just goes bar down or wherever he wants it to go. I've never he's invented a new way to shoot the puck. Yes, that's really what it is. And he plays. He, he enters the league with arguably the best shot in the league. Nate McKinnon said that. So Nate McKinnon, who is to me one of the best three to five players in Absolutely. the league, he's unbelievable. Nate McKinnon looks at him, and they all do this bio steel camp. It's like that guy's release is the best in the league. So that's where it's like the excitement comes because normally you draft a kid eighteen. Uh, he's oh, like you know we'll send him back to junior, we'll send him back to college, or he'll come in and he'll struggle. Maybe he gets twenty points, thirty points. The thing that Bedard does well and does that does it at his best, the things that makes him special, that will translate right away. He's only going to get better from here. But if you're talking like point totals for a rookie year, I don't think. It's inconceivable to put him at 70, 70, 80 points because he's going to be able to get himself in space. He's going to have all the power play time, and he's going to be able to create those angles, and you cannot teach that release. He's going to be fooling goalies and defensemen, and there will be bumps along the road, and there will be learning curves and all that like every young player, but he will have special moments, and he will be productive at 18 years old. I thought the World Juniors was uh, a, a real the litmus test for me to see yep. how he can handle the pressure of that stage, the uh, the pressure of playing in Canada, the pressure of losing and losing ugly in their first yep. game, and this guy kind of having to will and carry the team to the finish line. And, you know, his puck skills are elite. He's above average as a skater. His shot is, we just said, by Nate McKinnon's standards, mm-hmm. the best in the league, entering the league. Yeah. His compete level. That's the other thing. You know, we're looking at the Stanley Cup playoffs right now, mm-hmm. and we're looking at the Austin Matthews and all these different teams that have these star players. Mm-hmm. Not all of them are willing to play within the dots. Right. That is not the case with Connor Bedard. Uh, he, he, is, he is able to make defenders miss, mm-hmm. like you said, the wiggle, uh, he doesn't need a lot of room to do that, and he's not afraid to take it to the paint. Right. And that's what you need in the second season of the NHL, the Stanley Cup playoffs. That's a great point, too. And, and that is something, the, the thing you said about like the above-average skater, I, I think he's a... He's a very good skater. It's just like he might not – he doesn't have McDavid speed. He doesn't have like – he might not pull away from people, but he – the way he uses his edges and moves laterally, he creates so much space that it mitigates some of like – you know, a lot of guys, McDavid, people who are burners, they just lower a shoulder and go around you. He's not going to get by guys in that way, but he's still going to get by guys because he is – he is a tremendous skater. It's just not – he's not a burner like a Marion Gabrick was uh, like back in the day flying through the neutral zone. But he's still like a, an elite, elite skater. So I want to get to the shot. And, and part of the reasoning of why that shot has evolved into where it, where it is right now. And you and I, because we're nerds, a couple of months ago, we were here at ESPN 1000 and I pulled up – uh, a TikTok video yep. that was a TSN or Sportsnet piece mm-hmm. on him, right? And it has a tie to Chicago. Don't get, don't quote me on the age. I want to say he was thirteen ish. 
Yeah, I think that's he, right. He was supposed to come to Chicago for a tournament. Kid grew up in Vancouver. And he broke his right wrist, okay, at a time where there was question about the growth plate. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it was really important that he did not use that right hand. Yep. And, you know, this we're talking about a kid who was out in the backyard. Now, they didn't – there's not – the the opportunity for a ton of space in Vancouver. Mm-hmm. It's almost like San Francisco where yeah. it's like rolling and you don't have big parcels of land yep. and the weather doesn't exactly doesn't agree, to, agree a, to it. So outdoor, it's, yep. it's like street hockey, inline skating, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Shooting every single night. People next door think they're doing a remodeling to the house. <laughs> but anyways, he puts, they get to, cl- they, they, uh, they do surgery. Uh, they put the cast on the, the right hand. They say you can't use it for three to four yeah. months. Don't you touch it. Yeah. Don't touch it. He understands that, but he's not going to stop shooting. Right. So what does he do with his left hand every single day, just like he had been doing the previous however many years? One-handed. He, he goes out there one-handed shooting wrist shots. And they show in this this video, and I'll, I'll t- we can both tweet it out mm-hmm. to... Uh, so that you can see this, because it, it first of all, it boggles your it, mind. It's, you realize how difficult it is when your top hand on on the stick at the top is is how you could create enough leverage to lift the puck uh, the way this guy does. You ever tried shoveling snow with one hand yeah, on the shovel? Right, it's right. like impossible, yeah, right? You yeah. need to get that leverage. And the, how he does that and able to do it. Now, he does have like a very like whippy stick. He's got like a 60 flex, which I don't care. It's got the little, the lower toe kick, but it, it's no one has ever used that. No. And it's in that way. And he plays with a long stick too. So somehow he's able to, like it's too long for his body under normal circumstances, but he gets this reach. He reaches out as far as he can. And then he's still able to get enough torque on that stick somehow because of the wrist action that you're talking about, where it's, it's ungodly. So you combine that with the long stick, the flex, the toe, the, you know, the toe kick, and it's just bang. And it's just, he, it goes off the bar and it's super accurate, super hard. And it's impossible to, to stop because you have to respect all of his body movements because he and so guys lunge at him and then he just goes by them because they're trying to get out in front of that shot because it is so lethal so all he has to do is fake it and then he's by it for a better opportunity there's nobody like him that i have ever seen that plays the game the way that he plays it is it's truly a unique skill set so in retrospect the injury to his wrist he took a, a negative and yeah. made it a positive because once he got the cast off, his dad and by everybody's accounts, his own account, his shot went to another level. It's like that old movie, the Rookie of the Year, where the guy, kid breaks his elbow. He just ended up pitching with the Cubs because it heals in a way. Right. He throws 112. Right. Right. And it's like that feels like Bedard. Where he yeah. broke his arm at a young age, and now he shoots it. Unbelievable. And, and, and so beyond the generational talent, you've got this drive, yeah. uh, which I love. Which, and that was the thing from that video that I love the most. The, 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 the Hawaii story? Well, the Hawaii story, he was like, hey, I'm going to join a league while we're on vacation. How so about it, that? Yeah. So, it, quickly on that, they're, the family's going to go for 10 days to Hawaii. Mm-hmm. Uh, he hears there's an inline hockey league. Yeah. And, and so, he's like 12 or 13. Yeah, he's yeah. 12 or 13, yeah. and he says he's going to join it. They bring his hockey bag to the airport, and the person from the airline said, I've been working for this airline for 18 years. Nobody has ever ever brought a hockey bag to Hawaii. (laughs) Not a lot of youth tournaments going on in Hawaii. Again, this is how he is wired. This is not hyperbole. This is what the kid did. Right. Well, and it was like... 
his parents didn't even really encourage it. So they let him do whatever he wanted. Right. And the dad, you know, the mom and dad, they show him having this kind of funny exchange where the mom's like, ah, I didn't really know if I wanted him rollerblading, stick handling all through the house and breaking vases and things like that. And the dad, I thought it was like a very, like a parenting thing where he's like, you know, he has this fire in him, just an internal self-starter. Let's not put any handcuffs on that. Just let him be and see how much he'll do it. And now... To this day, Armstrong was saying to me earlier today that he goes to the rink by himself for like six hours a day just because he likes it there. You know, like yeah. he's working on things and and he's in the gym and he's he's shooting pucks all day long. He's a very he, the way people describe him reminds me of like that mentality. I'm not saying he'll reach these heights, but like that competitive self starter, Tiger, Jordan, Kobe, like like that Kane, Kane, like that kind of a wiring where it's yeah. just like I will put the work in. The one thing I've noticed in the, in the many years I've been in this is you assume that everybody that's in the pros absolutely loves everything about what they do. Mm-hmm. There are different degrees totally. of love, yeah. right? You know, there's, there's guys that are gifted that want to punch the clock. They want to take the optional skate, stay at home, you know, whatever the yep. case may be. There are the others. We mentioned Kane who is going to go to Florida and bring a line mate and try to you know hook up with Matthews and yep. and try to go to Daryl Belfry's uh you know super mega uh summit of yep. elite players and and you know pull from this defenseman and take from that center and always learning just yeah, curious always learning. getting better and i get the idea that this is kind of the cloth that yeah. Bedard has been cut from and, and it seems like that too and this is like uh you know a little personal story but when I was when I was playing prep hockey, we had a kid, Pat Cullody, who had committed to BU at 15. And the other teams, everybody knew it. Everybody was giving him a hard time every single game in his ear, extra dirty with him. And he just had to fight through it. They'd be like, oh, Jackie Packer, the old legendary coach of BU, there, he's going to love that, huh? And you know Bedard's getting that 100x every single game. And you would see, I remember a play early September, a guy was in his face and gave him a little whack, and Bedard just ran him right over and then let him know about it. So he has, like, that little bite to his game, too, that you need, which, you know, you have to prove yourself, especially when you're a smaller guy. Crosby went through that, too. And Crosby, you know, he ended up just being, like, a, he was a tough guy to play against. And, and he would fight every once in a while, but it was like, I'm going to earn my respect here, and I'm going to, and he plays hard. And I think Bedard is going to be that guy, and I, I, I've, like, through people I've talked to, I'm now convinced that he's he's a center too. That he's strong enough through the middle. He makes enough plays through the middle, like you said earlier. He, he he's willing to play in those dirty areas between the dots and, and in front of the crease. Like he's going to be able to do. He's going to be able to be that number one center. I don't think he's going to have to kick out to wing. So now it's just filling out the rest of your roster. You might also see at times his line mate take the draw for him. And, Maybe, you know, yeah. And he starts wing at the face-off and then, you know, goes back to the duties of a center. Mm-hmm. Obviously, the expectations for him are through the roof. Mm-hmm. I feel somewhat comfortable that he's going to hit these expectations because he's done it yeah. at every stage well above the years he should be doing it. That being said, you know, it's sports. We never really know how things are going to play out. Sure. Um, so, like, I, I guess the expectations that folks have in Chicago for him, should, it, it, it's, it's not going to exceed what he has been experienced 
in no. Canada for the last three years. It's probably is worse it? in Canada. I would I mean, think. You know, and it's like people will be aware of him. He'll be on all the all the billboards, all the commercials. Like uh, the marketing department is probably thanking their lucky stars too. Uh, now that they have a guy to build a build around from that perspective, and their job's done. Five million dollars or whatever it is in ticket sales. So congratulations, you guys. No I mean, longer yeah. drive what Kane and Tage drive. No, drive what Connor Bedard drives. And he's driving the bus. Like yes. he he is that guy. And yeah, I got his his page up right now. 100 points in 62 games as a 16 year old this year. 143 points in 57 games. That's that's almost three points a game in one of the hardest leagues in the world. You know, the WHL. It's not an easy league. So, and he's doing it. Nothing against his teammates. Regina wasn't exactly a good team. It's not like when you no, watch they like, weren't a good team. They're right, and so he just carried them. Imagine what he will do with ultra talented players just like him. And, and but he's going to be on a bad team next year. Sure. He so, will. So yeah. it's going to be similar to the Regina situation where, yeah. you know, um, and, and that might be nice to dip your toe in the NHL mm-hmm. that way where you're not this, you're adding to a ready-made contender and all the pressure of like, well, you better, you better take him to the, the top. To, yeah, yeah. To, the, to the finish line. You know, that's not the case with this team. Yeah, I don't think it'll be, but like no matter who he plays with, and I do think the Blackhawks will sign some veterans. I know, like they had talked about bringing Max Domi. If it's Domi or if it's Reichel or whoever, you know, could he, you see Domi, Bedard, Reichel? Hundred percent. I, I kind of like that. I, I I think that'd be a great line, and that and that could be you know your guy that takes the draws exactly. for you too, and and a guy who if someone takes added liberties with him, oh, I, I mean, yeah. I I want to I want a Connor Murphy or somebody else to step up, but. Don't it, be surprised if they make a run at Lucic or Reeves or something yeah, like that. I, I would, I would think that that yeah, that makes that's sense. on the radar for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we, let's get to who who do you surround him with, and and you got to have someone to kind of police the situation because yeah. he is he is the franchise. Yeah, and I think they will. I think that's a no brainer, and that's this is not like a meatball thing. Like no, the, the Blackhawks will sign a heavyweight type tough guy. Like they, I don't, I haven't had one. I feel like in a while, but they're gonna get they're gonna get a guy like that who can skate a regular fourth shift. And give him a little security and some freedom out there, and I think that's that's a very appropriate thing to do. If you look at like the free agent list, I feel like there's a, there's a, a guy that I've loved forever. He's having a decent playoff run, Thomas Tatar. Uh, so he's available. Uh, Is Matt, Bertuzzi available uh, from Boston? I don't believe so. Let me pull them up. Um, but and this is like another thing too. So we can look at the free agent list, but I, I do think the Blackhawks will weaponize that cap space as well, yes. and they'll be able to get a guy who might be making three, five, six million dollars that another team is trying to get under the cap, who's a good player, who would be a nice complimentary piece to Bedard. But the only reason the Hawks are interested in uh, in picking him up, uh, I'm trying to pull up Bertuzzi right now. Um, would be, be you know to pick up an extra asset, so they get a draft pick, or they move up to like, hey, hey, we want to move up to a fourteen, or what? I'm making up the numbers, but we want to move up. We'll give you uh, nothing, but we'll help you get under the cap. Yeah, and I and, think that and we'll that's get a player back. So Tyler Bertuzzi, yes, is a uh, unrestricted free agent uh, this coming summer. So that's that's a potentially nice. And piece that's as the well. other thing too. You're going to get the player who wants to come here mm-hmm. because it. And and they'll probably do it at a at a shorter term to get that payday. Yeah, you know yeah. what I mean. Like like kind of probably what Max did this past year. Hey, I'm going to come have a really good chance of playing with Kane. Mm-hmm. Going to put up some serious numbers. Now I'm making a playoff run with Dallas. 
I, I probably just earned myself a, a decent payday. Yeah, and, and I think the Blackhawks now, even more than last year, they are in a position where they can intentionally overpay a guy like that just to get him in here. They can outbid teams by three million, and they might have to just to hit that cap floor. So they're gonna they'll be able to spend aggressively on short term deals that don't preclude them from taking a run at a guy like Sebastian Ajo or Matthews should they become available as unrestricted free agents summer of twenty five. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, I think it's summer of twenty five, right? For those I think who twenty four, or, or is it twenty four? Yeah, so 24. whatever whatever that time frame is, like when those guys become available. Uh, I think I think this could you know could be like the same kind of model as before, where you fill out your roster with a Brian Campbell and a Marian Hosa, because you can, because you have the cap space, you have some of your great young players on those cheap rookie deals, and you go and get like the stars, the established stars to insulate the rest of your young core, and all of a sudden you're you're right there again, and that's a that's an amazing thing to think about. So listening to you and kind of processing everything that we've, I, I feel like the rebuild has has been uh, cranked up a couple notches. It's been expedited to a degree, but how, how much do you think it's been? Yeah, I mean they're definitely not a playoff team this coming year. No. So this is going to be a young team, and it, like Bedard is obviously turning eighteen. But I think Korchinski makes the team. I've been told he'll he'll have a, every chance to make the team coming out of uh, camp this coming year. Uh, Kaiser's probably going to be on the team. Vlasic's going to be on the team. So those are effectively three rookie defensemen, half your decor, and then they're going to play with you know Seth Jones and and Murph and who knows uh, maybe Caleb. Oh, and, and yeah, maybe Caleb. And then who is the guy that they signed back? Tenorti. Like Tenorti will be in that mix, you know. He's got a contract, yeah. so and he's he's another tough guy, you know. Yeah. So if you're looking for some protection for That's some of these two, young two. guys, that there's some value in that and some leadership in that with having a veteran, you know, three veteran guys and three rookies, and so there there's going to be some bumps along the road. They're going to be they're probably going to be one of the worst five teams in the league again, but they'll be fun. Yeah, they're going to be a lot of fun. All right, let me ask you this question. It was clear, and Kyle made it clear. You know, front offices tank. Players, coaches don't, mm-hmm. and that's the way this thing played out yep. this year. Going into next year, are you because you got Bedard, and seemingly with your your pick around nineteen that you might be able to move up because of the four second round picks you have, yep. or and the package that, yep. like you said, weaponize the cap, take bad contracts mm-hmm. from other teams who are up against yep. the cap, and move up to, you know, like I have a feeling they're, they're going to have five to six players that they target in the first round. Yep. And it's not going to be like who's avail- best available on the board. They're going to like, they're going to go after those five. Right. Within reason. Mm-hmm. And if they hit on that, is it is it necessary to set up a tank team next year or – you know, how, how do you, what, what's yeah. the... the I, don't, I don't think it'll be an intentional tank like it was this, this past year. year, but I think it's going to be, you're, they're, so, they're going to be so young. And then there's only so much they can do in terms of bringing in veterans. So may, maybe bottom five is, you know, if Bedard is as good as I think he's going to be, but having three young defensemen like that, and they're still going to have the goaltending issues, they're going to be, they're not going to be a legitimate playoff contender. They'll be picking no. in the top, call it seven. Okay. So... You're going to get a fantastic player if you're picking in one of those places, and now that you have Bedard, and you got Tampa's first, and you got Tampa's first, they have they have two first round picks each of the next three drafts. Plus, I think and two twos next year, and 
I think maybe that's it. But but and then the four twos this year, and on top of that, it's not like they don't already have a top five prospect well, the pool. They're going to have at the end of this draft. They're number one already. They're going to have the number one easily. Yeah, like, right. They could only get Bedard, and they would go from five to That's one. That's true. So they're they're going to be in a very good spot, and I and I do think getting Bedard might change the profile of the type of player you're looking at for the rest of those five picks in the first two rounds. Where like I've I think I've said on this show, I love that Gavin Brindley from Michigan. Uh, he plays a lot with Fantilli. He's a spark plug, 5'9 type of guy. But if you have Nazar as a piece and you have Reichel as a piece and you have Bedard as a piece, you probably don't want another sub six foot speedy guy. You want to fill out, you want to have, from a roster construction standpoint, you probably want to have, uh, you know, more of a power forward look because the only guy that kind of fits that model right now would be Colton Dock in the, in the program. So you get, uh, you know, some, some bigger boys, some guys who can play down the middle. And I think that they'll, like you said, they're going to target some guys, and it's not going to be like, well, this is the highest-rated guy on our board. It might be two, three spots down, but it's like this guy fits for this role that we have for our vision of a cup champion team, and that's probably the way they need to think now because and because Bedard changed the equation. If Without Bedard, you probably just take the best players available and hope for the best. Now it's like we know we have this cornerstone linchpin guy, so we can we can really start to be more strategic about the types of players we're bringing in. Yeah, and again, we talked on uh, earlier in this podcast how it just his talent is going to be a calling card, and it's going to bring in free agents that you didn't, uh, uh, up to three days ago, you would never have been able no. to touch. Nope. Yeah, and, and, and this, again, like I, I personally, if I was Davidson, I would not be looking to make a splash. And not that there's really any splash guys available as UFAs, it's... You know, if you look at the top point scorers who are going to be UFAs, it's Alex Kalorn, it's Patrick Kane. I think that ship has sailed. I know people keep asking for that now, but that's I think that's gone. I really do think Tomas Tatar is is an interesting choice. Jason Zucker would be an interesting choice. Guys like that, where you could be like, hey, like someone's offering you, you know, four years by three million. We'll give you a two by six. So the yeah. money's the same. You're free agent again when the cap's up, and you get the you know. And short-term deal, then we'll see where we are. And your numbers may be better. And your numbers may be better because you're playing with Connor Bedard. So they're, they're, they're going to have some some options there. I like that Michael Bunting, uh, the guy who's been really good for Toronto. He's a UFA as well. They're another team that's got some cap uh, issues. Would be nice to kind of steal him after have, you know we gave them McCabe and, and Lafferty at the deadline and had to eat a little bit of McCabe's deal, right? I'm yeah. pretty sure. Mm-hmm. So you know what? Now because of that, we're going to take Michael Bunting from you. Slide him somewhere in the top nine as a as a four checking, you know, guy who can put up some points. I think what did he have? He had twenty three goals this year. So like they're they're they can they can get guys like that second third tier type guy on shorter term deals. And then again, and you know, like I I don't hate the idea of uh, a radish playing with Bedard either. Like no. they have a couple of guys that are not like. Not horrible, and they have Kurashev. Kurashev, good offensive instincts. Like, and I, I, I do like. I have this vision of Reichel using that speed, pushing people back, creating space for for uh, uh, for Bedard, and like yeah. that that line. I wish you know whether it's Dolmy or whoever they end up putting over on that other spot. I think those two, like in at least in my head, make some sense together from a chemistry standpoint. All right, so we're both on cloud nine. Yeah. Uh, there's really not a wet blanket out there that's going to be able to to. Uh, there's one to call me down. <laughs> um, but and, and it, you know what, Chief? I saw this before the draft lottery last night. There's a lot of Blackhawk hate out there. I love it. 
And, you know, part of it was the three cups in six years. Mm-hmm. Part of it is the off-ice stuff that has gone on. And it, it, it's not unlike what the Patriots experienced, yeah. right? You know, like jealousy is, you know, it, it happens. Um, I, I think I'd probably be mad, too. To yeah, a degree, or, I, I would. Or, it would be rooted in jealousy. But. So so let's talk conspiracy theory. Because, yeah. I mean, you've been hearing about it all day long. So mm-hmm. have I. Yeah. Uh, I'll, I'll start with you. Because you are sort of a conspiracy theory yeah, guy I, by I, nature. Yeah. I, I, so I feel like this is a, I, in your I wheelhouse. I wouldn't say I'm a conspiracy theory guy. I'm a connect dots guy. It's like, connect hey, dots. something, something yeah. doesn't look right there. Something right. stinks about that. Right. And, so uh, does this stink? No, I don't think so. And it, I don't understand. I don't think it's a good made-for-TV production like that way they do it. There's some drama to it, certainly. But give me like the the ABC seven late night lottery ball machine where it's just they just have the numbers come up. And there's been videos out there of Bettman just reading the different balls as they go. Like this number is, you know, I made the shirt four five nine thirteen. That was the Blackhawks number to get Bedard. That's the thing that came up. Just do it live with the actual lottery ball machine instead of doing this this sequester. So there's no. All right. So because I did I did a piece on the year that the. Bulls got Derrick Rose, mm-hmm. okay? And it's handled in the same manner that the NHL does. Yeah. So about an hour before the TV show, uh, in Secaucus, down yep. below the studio, the accounting firm that's overseeing yeah, the like NHL. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. you know, multi, multi-billion dollar accounting firm. Yep. Uh, you've got representatives from every team in there. In this case, they also had NHL reporters like Frank Saravalli okay. was in there. So already, if if there is this uh, not on the up and up thing going on, we got a lot of people that Eyeballs. are in a room yeah. that are either in on it or no one's raising a red flag on stuff. To, to go back to the D-Rose situation, the representative for the Chicago Bulls was one Brandon Faber. It was his last duty with the Bulls before he went to the Blackhawks. Of course, now he's on with the Bears. Bears. And so, you know, if he had to go to the bathroom, they took his phone. You know, you're you're in this room and you they basically do the show minus the host. Mm -hmm. And they pull out the different combinations of balls and they tell you right then and there. And everybody in that room stays in that room. Yep. Until the TV show's done an hour later. But they were there to witness it. Yeah. So I did text a member of the Blackhawks. Okay. And I said, who was the representative for the Blackhawks in the pre-lottery show? Mm-hmm. And they told me they did not send anybody. Hmm. So they went with just the accounting firm, yeah. the reporters that were in the room, the NHL, other teams had representatives. Mm-hmm. And that's, uh, you know... Uh, I mean, how many people, and like, here's the thing, where, where do you stop at the conspiracy theory stuff? Why are the Leafs down three zip to Florida? You know? Yeah. Uh, I mean, we're going to have a, a conference final that's going to be Seattle, Vegas, Carolina. Yeah. And, uh, why are the Rangers yeah, out? Yeah. Well, you know, yeah, like, where, where does it stop? Yeah, like, especially in a league where power play goals are everything power play opportunities are everything yep. and if you really wanted to make a have a discrepancy in power plays you could you could could do it easily yeah. and uh you know by the way i look at 
the Stanley Cup playoffs right now. I mean, is it? Do you like seeing Colorado down? If you're nope. the league, no, <laughs> no, no, no. You, you want it to be, and, and the players would be in on that too because they don't want the small market teams in there because that eats into their escrow. So they want the big teams and the big stars. And they get all the ratings and they sell the most jerseys and sell the most tickets at the highest price. That's what everybody really truly wants because that's how you create the most hockey related revenue. Uh, and that's not the way it's playing out. And the way that the the draft is going, I, I do think that they should. Just do it live, you know the old yeah. Bill O'Reilly. Just do it live, do it live, and, and instead of this way. But you know, it doesn't. Uh, if you really think it's a conspiracy, uh, you would think I would have been like something stinks here if Arizona won it because their Bettman is that's his baby. He wants to keep him there, get the funding for the new stadium and all that. But I, I just don't think it's. I just don't think, especially given the circumstance where you're saying that there's all these eyeballs. I just don't think it's possible. It's not right. like it's the frozen envelope, Patrick Ewing thing. Right, he's right. Fishing around a bowl. All right, let me go over the last few draft lotteries. Okay. And the team that finished last and where they ended up picking. Okay. So obviously the Hawks moved from third to first, and the Ducks moved from first to second in this in yesterday's draft. Uh, Montreal last year, they were the worst team, and they kept the first selection mm-hmm. overall. Uh, the Devils went from fifth to second. The uh, previous year, 2021, the Buffalo Sabres had the worst record and they had the first selection overall and they took Owen Power. The Kraken moved from third to second and they took Matty Beneers. Mm -hmm. Uh, In 2020, the Rangers moved from eighth to first. All right, so unrelated but small point, this is why it's so you have to be both bad and lucky at the same time because the Rangers were bad. They got the luck, but then they get Lafreniere, who's like fine. You're like he's still, a third you're line still guy, wondering. right? Well, yeah, but he's he's not a Bedard, no, right? So if you have to like time when you're going to be terrible perfectly, and it's like all the stars have to align to get a true franchise changing guy, because picking first doesn't guarantee anything necessarily. In 2019 Devils moved from third to first, took Jack Hughes, mm-hmm. that worked for them. Rangers moved from sixth to second, took Capo Caco. And the, the Hawks Doc. went Hawks went from twelve to three and took mm-hmm. Kirby Doc. In eighteen, Buffalo had the worst record and they had the first selection overall. Do you remember the drama of that one? No. They have this the video of the lottery machine. The Hawks ball was going up to get the number one pick, and out of like left field comes the Buffalo ball, knocks it out of like it's spinning like this in the tube to go up to get the number I one don't pick. Remember that. Oh, I'll I'll send it to you. And the Buffalo ball knocks it out, goes up, they get Darlene. And in that 18-year, Hurricanes went from 11th to 2nd. They took Svechnikov. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then in 2017, the Devils moved from 5th to 1st. And Flyers went from 13th to 2nd. So it, it has happened. Yeah. Uh, you know, I mean, a lot of times, like in 2016, the Leafs had the worst record. And they had the top pick overall, Austin Matthews. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, then there were other years. Edmonton moved from 3rd to 1st. So, yeah, I, I will say as I read these, a lot of big market teams are the ones that are moving. So I, I you know, I, I, that's just the way the cookie crumbles. Sometimes I don't know what to make of that. But I mean, Carolina they moved up big. They're, they're not a big market team. New Jersey, who cares in New Jersey? They're the third team in that market. That's true. So uh, really, it was just the Rangers moving and the Flyers moving, and neither one of those years had they, they had, had the a bona fide. I think the Flyers got Nolan Patrick. I don't right. think has ever really played. So, and then Caco, no. 
Lafreniere, meh. You know, Kako's fine. Lafreniere's, you know, they're not like what you expect from top two picks. So it just happened to work out in the Hawks' favor. That's just the way it goes. It's changed the juice around this team. There really hasn't been for the last several years. And, the you know, the one thing that even with a bad team, you and I were both like, well, I can still watch 88. Do yep. some, and before, I can still watch Dabrinka do his thing mm-hmm. and all this. And then you're kind of like looking at when those guys leave, you're like, all right. Uh, Buddy Robinson. Now, yeah, Buddy Robinson. <laughs> uh, Thank you, Buddy Robinson, because if, they, if he didn't score that goal to beat Pittsburgh, they wouldn't have been picking third. And somebody if Johnny Taves yeah. scores on that breakaway. You just never know. You never know. Yeah. Um, so now we've got what looks to be the second coming and it the stars are aligning and it's just like it's even though it, it's going to be tough sledding next year mm-hmm. it's going to be fun to watch this it'll guy. be so fun it'll be so fun and even like i was i was up i'm such a nerd but i was just laying in bed laughing watching highlights and i'm like all right, all right i've done 20 straight minutes of bedard youtubes so let's flip over to korchinski and korchinski has some moments where it's just like man like he's special too and they're just gonna have like these these guys that cycle in and then at the end of the year who knows maybe nazar signs and he's in the lineup and i'm very excited to see a full year of lucas reichel like they're gonna they're, it's gonna be fun. It's gonna be bad overall. You might. They're, they're, I feel like they're gonna lose a lot of games five to four, and I'm very okay with that for next year. But I just want to have fun going to games. And there is something. There's something I love about the chase and the climb, and that's where they are now. And it feels like you're you're pursuing something meaningful because you have that core special piece, and uh, and if and it feels real. It feels like hey, like. You have genuine aspirations of the cup. You know, we were talking about all year, if you don't get one of these top two, you're going to end up like the Minnesota Wild or the Winnipeg Jets, which there are worse things to be than that. But, you know, those teams, they they get their heart broken every year. And it's like you can predict it because they just don't have that true, true superstar guy. Even Kirill, as great as he is, he's not McKinnon. He's not McDavid. He's not one of those types of guys. Now the Hawks have one of those. When are you getting your nine? I know you're not a Jersey guy. Yeah, I'm not a Jersey guy. Uh, we, we made a T-shirt. Put a T-shirt out on okay. sale. So we, I took the uh, the Hawks like feather colors, sure that color scheme, and then put the uh, the four, five, nine, thirteen like the lottery nice. balls. I like so that. I like that. So I'll be wearing that around. It's like a kind of like an inside, like if you know, you know, kind of a, sure. kind of a shirt. But I'm, I'm going to get something. I'm going to do something because you know it's. I, I really like. I can't even wait for prospect camp. Like, I might take the week off of work, just sit around in some cold rink in July, watch guys skate around, and play hockey. So, a bunch of teenagers. So, because it's it's that's that's where it is right now. Like, it's so exciting to be um, uh, a Blackhawks fan again. It's going to be fun. Connor Bedard is coming to Chicago. Hockey is once again relevant. Big time. Still got a ways to go. Well, but that is like that energy. It felt like when they when that hit. It did feel like those cup years, like the way that everybody you know was talking about it. And like, did your phone just? Blo- mine was just blown from people I, you know, I would not some- expect. I got something on, from Twitter that I had never seen before. I don't know if it's a new feature, but they were like, "You're getting too many notifications. Would you like to set up filters?" And I'm like, "I don't have time for that. Just refresh." <laughs> but it was, be, be, it was because everybody was tweeting retweeting liking it was just it was insane and same thing with my phone i got you know i i replied to people today because i'm like i just can't i can't manage all these right now because everybody is so excited and uh and this is there's very few athletes that come along 
that get everybody's attention and, and he's Bedard's worthy of that distinction. So we want to let you know we're going to continue the Hockey Show podcast in and around the June 28th draft. It's on a Wednesday and a Thursday in Nashville. So a couple weeks leading up to that, Chief and I will have another podcast breaking down some of the the uh, potential prospects that they're looking at in the first and second round and beyond some of the strategy they may have going in. Uh, continue to follow Chief. He's all over this team, connected with them, uh, as am I. And uh, we appreciate that uh, that ESPN 1000 is is given I love it here. the hockey show yeah. some love, right? Yeah, I love it here. I love doing the show with, uh, with, with UPB, so I'm glad we get to uh, have some exciting things to talk about here in the summer as well. So that's going to do it for the Hockey Show Podcast, Connor Bedard Edition. <laughs> he is coming to Chicago soon. So long.